What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, May 5th, 2015. Happy Cinco de Mayo from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Cinco de Mayo means one thing to me and one thing only. That Star Wars Day is over. Thank God Star Wars Day is over. May the 4th be with you. I hate Star Wars. So many people like it. And I had no idea that there's something. Well, I, I knew a lot of people liked it. But I had no idea that certain people liked it. Like my producer, Pete Needham over here who I had no idea was a big Star Wars fan. And I asked him, are you a Star Wars fan? Right before we went on, he said, yeah, huge. What, how? How do you become a Star Wars fan? And when? why don't I know about this? You don't look like a Star Wars fan. You don't come off to me like a Star Wars fan. Let's put it this way. So we were in high school when the, the last set of movies first started to come out. We were at the midnight showing for the first one. The night that it came out in 10th grade. That's like animals. That's horrible. That's horrible. <laughs> You guys must have had a terrible time. I hate Star Wars. And I, you know what? I, I feel like I'm in the minority, obviously. I mean, uh, they interviewed Darth Vader last night during the Red Sox game. It was Star Wars night. What, is going, what, what was going on? How long have they been doing this for? A couple of years? May the 4th be with you. Oh, thank God it's over. They got the highlights on SportsCenter. The, they got the lightsabers for baseball bats. I'm all set with it. I, let's get let's get past it. We're done with it. The Star Wars thing. We're done. And look, uh, if you like Star Wars, which a lot of people obviously do, or they wouldn't be doing, or they wouldn't be, you know, doing this stuff at Fenway, right? Um, so I'm clearly. It seems like I'm in the minority on this one. I'm. You can like Star Wars all you want. You know, I I say that somewhat in jest. I'm I'm just telling you how I feel about it. I'm not a Star Wars guy. I'm not a Star Wars fan. I don't really understand. Uh, you know, I, I just, I can't get into it, you know, I can't, and don't, I, look, I've, I've given it a chance, I'm not gonna knock the people that like Star Wars, though, I won't, I won't do that, because I don't really like the people that, that, you know, are knocking the boxing fans the last couple days over this Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, and now the news is that Manny Pacquiao has a significant tear in his rotator cuff, and he will undergo surgery which is going to put him out 9 to 12 months. Now, to clarify that, they say Pacquiao could be back training in six months, but the competition, the next time he'll be in competition, could be anywhere from nine months to a year. The other story with Pacquiao is that he might face perjury charges. You sign a questionnaire before the weigh-in in which you have to say, well, I'm injured or I'm not injured, and here's the injury. He did not check off the box, apparently, that said he had a shoulder injury. And they signed this questionnaire under the penalty of perjury. Now, he did not check off the box that said he had a shoulder injury. He did tell the commission, they said at about 6.30, the night of the fight, that he, was, he needed an anti-inflammatory shot. We know that, and they did not give it to him. Uh, but the latest is that Manny Pacquiao could be facing perjury charges. Look, I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't get perjury charges. I hope he doesn't get fined or suspended. I mean, please. Uh, he was injured. He fought injured. He's not the first fighter to ever fight injured. Let's not make a big deal out of that. What Pacquiao's side is going to do, though, is they're going to say, well, hey, it's tough to fight with one arm. Hey, Mayweather, do you, do you think you're really the best? Or you got the best of Manny Pacquiao? Doesn't seem like it. That's why I, I think even with the news of Pacquiao having shoulder surgery to repair a significant tear in his rotator cuff, I think we're going to see um, a rematch. I do. I, even more so. with the Look, he's going to come back. Pacquiao will recover. He will train. Um, he will rehab, and he will be to a point, whether it's in a year or, you know, 14 months from now, where he'll be ready to fight again. And I'm telling you, the fight they're going to talk about, and you know what, maybe he gets another fight under his belt before they have the rematch, but he's going to fight Mayweather again. It's going to happen. And Mayweather will be going for 50 and all, because Mayweather's going to fight again in September to play out his Showtime contract, and Mayweather will go. For, he relinquished the belts. It won't be about titles. It'll be about number 5-0, 50-0, and, 0, and um, it'll happen. I'm telling you. 
it'll happen. And Mayweather will win and be 50 and all. And the same people complaining now will complain then. They will. I mean, I heard people are still complaining about this fight. They're still complaining about it. That's, I've read a headline, and I read somebody. And you know, I, I won't even talk about who it is because they want. I feel like they write this story wanting the publicity. That, that these two, Mayweather took the fight out of boxing. Really? Took the fight out of boxing. Oh, that Mayweather is a con artist? What are we talking about? How about if you just talk about Mayweather and his in-the-ring abilities, how about what the fight showed you over the weekend is just how great Mayweather is? I, look, I agree with people. It wasn't the most exciting fight I've seen in my life, and I've seen a lot of exciting fights. It wasn't. It wasn't the most exciting fight I've ever seen. But I, I had expectations going in, as I ranted about on yesterday's show and over the weekend on WEEI here in Boston. I mean, I, I just I, I knew what to expect going in. This is how Mayweather wins. But this is also why he's so great. Because as much as we say, oh, he doesn't like to be hit. Well, nobody likes to be hit. But at the same time, nobody that's in the ring with them can hit him. Do you think that the other guys aren't trying to, to knock him out? Of course they are. But they can't do it. That's the beauty of this whole thing. Right? This isn't a street fight. This is a boxing match. And if you don't like that, then, then good. Then don't watch. Don't pay the 100 bucks. Don't complain to me about it after. All I hear is complaints, complaints, complaints. You know, I don't like watching soccer. Okay? Hate it. I, I don't sit there and complain about it all the time. I don't. People like, people enjoy watching it. I accept that. That's fine. You, you, if you enjoy watching it, you enjoy watching it. Right? You enjoy watching it. That's fine. Um, there's a lot, you know, everybody to each his own. Uh, but bottom line is this. You, you st- the people that, they, they feel like this, sp- they think they speak for everybody else. They think they speak for everybody. And it's so, that's so not true. Right? These people who have a voice, I get, you know, they can say, yeah, I didn't like it, and here's why. But then they take it a next step where, you know, you say, took the fight out of boxing, right? Or boxing's dead. Or Mayweather's a con artist for going into this fight. What are you talking about? No way. He's the best. That's what you saw. You saw him, you saw him in his craft, in his art form that, sure, you might not like or think is entertaining. But that's what it is. And he's the best at it. And nobody can hit him. And I got news for you. The guy on the other side, uh, the guy in the other corner, he's trying to knock his head off. But he can't do it. He can't do it. And there's a lot of guys that wish they could fight the way Mayweather fights by not getting hit. You say, well, he doesn't try to, uh, he doesn't try to fight. He doesn't throw a punch. Well, he lands more punches than the other guy. And whether you like it or not, that's a W. And <laughs> every fight Mayweather's been in, He's received the W. Okay? So, uh, that, the, the people still complaining about it. I just, enough. I, I'm done complaining. I'm done complaining about the fight. I'm done hearing, excuse me, I'm not complaining. I'm done hearing about the complaints with this fight. All right? That's it. So, uh, that's the news on Pacquiao. He'll have, su- he'll have surgery. I still think there'll be a rematch. In fact, I guarantee you there will be a rematch. A lot going on last night. Uh, outside of Star Wars night, Star Wars day, okay? Um, the Red Sox, they lose their fourth straight, fourth straight game. I watched the Red Sox last night. I, I, I also changed it over to the Rangers-Capitals playoff game. I was also flipping back to the Chicago Bulls-Cleveland Cavaliers playoff game. I was even flipping back to Monday Night Raw. Right, I was I was taking care of everything last night. Busy Monday night, a lot going on, and the thing that frustrated me the most, and and maybe maybe it's because you know I got a I got a horse in this race, right? Uh, I got a dog in this fight. That's the Red Sox. Uh, they have been awfully frustrating to watch. The pitching has been the most frustrating part about it. The more I watch the Red Sox, the more I absolutely hate every single pitcher on this team. I mean, hate, okay? We, we are getting, yes, I use the word hate. I'm getting, I've, I've, I've started watching these games just hating watching the guy that's on the mound 
in a Red Sox uniform. Despising him. Last night was Clay Buckholtz. He's been off. He's been on. He's been embarrassing. He's been solid. He's been back and forth this season. And we we have this 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 thing about Clay Buckholtz where you look into his past, and we're talking no hitter type stuff, which he's done. Uh, we're talking beginning a season fourteen to one with an ERA under two. And would have been the starter for the American League in 2013 in the All-Star game if he didn't get hurt. Uh, then we're talking head case. Especially when there's a guy on first base. But we're also talking about a guy who seemingly doesn't want to hold himself accountable for how bad that he's been when he's bad. And lately, when Clay Buckholz has been bad, he's been embarrassing. Now, Clay Buckholz turned it around last night in a loss to the Tampa Bay Rays. They lose, Red Sox lose 5-1. They're now two games under 500. And if you look at the ALE standings, the Red Sox are now in sole possession of last place in the division, four games behind the first place Yankees. Ahead of them, ahead of the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Orioles, and the Rays. Okay? Uh, the Yankees lost last night to Toronto. Now... When now the Red Sox pitching has been a major issue, so is the offense. The offense has been an issue as well. But last night, as much as Clay Buckholz turned this thing around and ended up giving you six and a third when it didn't look like he would, you know, in that first inning, it didn't look like that was going to happen. Buckholz set up nine hits. He allowed five runs, uh, was on the mound for four of them. He walked two. He struck out seven. He allowed one home run to Butler in the second inning. That was a two-run shot that gave the Rays a 4 to nothing lead. But a Longoria double in the first, and then a DeJesus single in the first, put the Rays up 2 nothing early. As I mentioned, in the second inning, Butler home run. Put the Rays up 4 nothing through two innings, and that was it. That, that's really all I needed to see, to know that, look, this is going to be infuriating to watch. And... So I decided to flip back and forth, right? Now, Buckholz, he settled down. He, he did what he had to do, and he looked a whole lot better in the later innings of this game than he did in the first couple. But after the game, I have to see quotes from Clay Buckholz that take zero accountability for him being fucking terrible last night in the first two innings. He was awful. Here's Clay Buckholz, what he said. After the game last night, he says, quote, bad and he's talking about the first two innings. He says, quote, bad breaks counted for two of them. Left the change up, up, Butler hit it. Other than that, I felt like I threw the ball pretty good. Buckholz, end quote. Buckholz, he's now one and four on the season with a 6.03 ERA. And he's right about the pitch, the change up upstairs that he left to Butler. But what he's also not acknowledging is a terrible decision and a terrible pitch to Evan Longoria in the first inning that led uh, to a Longoria double off the wall and a one nothing Tampa Bay lead. A terrible, there was a terrible pitch. Bad breaks? What, what was the bad break on that one? What was the bad break on the Rays scoring first in this game? What was in the top of the first inning? What was the bad break there, Clay? It's infuriating, not only to watch him pitch, but to now listen to him talk about bad breaks and bad luck over and over again. It's a joke. And, and I've been someone in this town that has defended Clay Buckholz uh, when nobody else would at certain times, especially late in the 2013 season, when people were rolling their eyes at his shoulder injury, telling, uh, telling us that, Buckholz wasn't tough enough. I, when nobody else would defend the kid about that, I would. But I, I, I tell you what. I sit here on Cinco de Mayo in 2015, and I don't see any reason why the Red Sox need to hold on to this kid. I, I, I don't. I, I, don't see, I don't see any reason for it. Why they need to hold on to him. What, what are you going to get? What, what's, the, what's the end game here with Clay Buckholz? Where are we going with him? 
It's not like it's his first or second season with the team or first or second season in Major League Baseball. Um, this kid just, to me, I, I, there is always the option for certain players in professional sports in which a change of scenery will do them good, right? In which maybe the pressure is just getting too much for someone. In which maybe we've reached a point of no return for Clay Buckholtz when it comes to him being successful uh, in Boston. And I think if you're the Red Sox and you are thinking trade, we talk about, well, you got to make some type of move. I don't know, perhaps, and I know you say, well, Buckholtz has zero trade value. I don't know if that would be the case because perhaps you get a team in a National League city that's a small market club and, and you want to combine a Buckholtz package with a couple top prospects. You know, maybe I do think that Buckholtz could, you know, you could get a team that says, hey, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe a change of scenery will do him, him good. And perhaps you get him out of the pressure-filled situation in Boston when nothing's going right for him and he's thinking too much and we bring him here and he does have decent stuff and maybe he can start putting that together. Right? I, I think you could get someone that thinks that. Now, you'd have to talk him into it. But I, I, I guess... If you're going to make a change and you're the Red Sox, maybe that's the change. Maybe you, need to, maybe you need to send a message and say, hey, we don't care if you are our opening day starter. If you can't, not, one, if you can't pitch the way we know you're capable of pitching or the way we need you to pitch, and two, when you don't pitch that way, you aren't going to hold yourself accountable. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get shipped out of town. I don't care what you got going on here. I don't care how long you've been here for. I don't care if you are opening day starter. You're gone. Maybe that's the type of message they need to send. I don't know. Maybe that wakes the team up. Maybe it wakes the bats up. And now the bats on this Red Sox team are going to be are in a little bit more trouble because Hanley Ramirez last night in the first inning ran into the wall trying to uh, make a catch in left field. Right. And he hit his shoulder. Oh, my God. You read on Twitter. Oh, I think it's a wrist. I think it's a hand. It couldn't have been any more obvious that this was a fucking shoulder injury. Um, they're calling it the Hanley Ramirez shoulder. They're saying he's day-to-day, right? Uh, he says he tweets after he's going to be back as soon as he can. They're calling it a shoulder sprain. Here's the issue, though. Hanley Ramirez has had surgery on that left shoulder twice before in his career, in 2007 and in 2011. Now, that looks like a shoulder. They say it's a shoulder sprain. They call him day-to-day, but who knows what that is. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if, by the time you listen to this podcast, Hanley Ramirez is put on some type of 15-day DL, right? I I honestly wouldn't be surprised. But if that does happen, which I do expect, actually— then the Red Sox offense is in even more trouble because you look at the pitches they faced. I mean, last night, Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi. However the fuck you say this guy's name. I get that this season he has a 2.21 ERA, right? 32 strikeouts compared to eight walks. But I look at this guy last year, 31 starts, 168 innings, 4.13 ERA, 11-13 record. Yeah, 174 strikeouts. Uh, 59 walks. You watch him pitch last night. He's got decent stuff. Uh, he, he didn't make many mistakes. But at the same time, is this somebody that should come into Fenway and hold you to one run? No. No. And you look up and down the list here the last, during this four-game losing skid. CC Sabathia, you let him off the hook on Friday. He was throwing 89-90. You let him off the hook. That's not devastating stuff from CC anymore. Uh, Evaldi might have been the be- might have had the best stuff out of the last four pitches the Red Sox have faced, and then you get Sunday Night Baseball. Adam Warren, you made him look like Craig fucking Maddox, like Craig fucking Maddox. What is going on? I mean, honestly, did Craig Maddox walk into the building to pitch at Fenway recently? It seems like he's pitched every night against the Red Sox. I, you know, it's not like. The guys that are coming in here to pitch against this offense are these overwhelming arms. They're not. Um, and, and when they're not overwhelming, you know, you're making them look like Maddox. It's, it's driving me nuts. 
It's driving me. It's driving me crazy. I can't watch this anymore. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't watch this anymore. They're gonna. They need to do something. The Red Sox need to do something. I. I don't. I. I don't usually sit here in the first week of May and tell you that. You know the sky is falling. In fact, I usually tell you the other thing. Opposite. I usually say things are. Things are gonna get. You know, it's early in the season. You go through slumps. You go. Well, look. I usually say that because I expect that I look at the roster and I point at certain guys. I say, it's going to get better for him. It's going to get better for him. Don't worry. I look at this rotation and I say, we know what to expect. We know they're going to let up runs, but we say that thinking that the offense at some point was going to do something. Now you're losing Hanley Ramirez and and you got to look at it like this and say, yeah, we know that this rotation is going to let up runs, but what? What's the next move? Is it is it even is it even going out and getting that big guy, big, that dominant starter, or is it cutting ties with someone and getting someone out of here and sending a message and maybe bringing someone up from the minors, bringing a young kid, bring up some bring up a young pitcher and see what he can do because I guarantee you it's going to be better than what Buck Colts has given you, right? It's it's driving me mad and the pitchers on the other end. Man, it's like let's look at the let's look at the probables coming in now. All right, Tampa Bay tonight. Drew Smiley, lefty. Drew Smiley. Um, Wednesday night, tomorrow night. Alex Colom, righty. Then you go to Toronto Friday. Aaron Sanchez. Saturday in Toronto. Drew Hutchinson. I mean, are we looking at the next handful of starters on the other side and saying that these guys are, you know, are these electrifying names going up against the Red Sox? I mean, no, they're not. The offense, if they can't do anything, this team is lost. Lost. So, I just think that maybe after last night, you have to seriously consider getting Buckholtz out of town. Just getting him out. Even if it's for sending a message to the boys in the room and say, hey, that's it. Change is going to be made here. We can't keep rolling guys out and falling behind for nothing, especially if we can't fucking hit. Against who? Against Oder Jake Odorizzi? Against Adam Warren? At Fenway? What is going on here? Boys, what are you doing? It's not... You know, Maddox, Greg Maddox isn't isn't coming in, pitching against you guys. These are guys that are hittable. Hit them. But if you can't do that, we certainly can't keep rolling out these arms. And and if we're, we're going to do something, we might as well call up some young kids and let them pitch. We get so wrapped up in prospects and say, oh, you know, I want to rush them. And I, and I get it that here in this town in Boston, it takes a certain mindset. It takes a certain mindset. To, to succeed here. I understand that. But at the same time, I, I'm to the point now where I'd say, well, what can it, is it going to hurt to to give a couple kids a shot in this rotation? Is it going to hurt? How do you do that, though? Well, you got to make moves. Uh, you know, unless it, uh, you put buckles on the DL, or do you just tr- just get rid of them, just trade them? If you trade buckles for today, is who are you going to hear any complaints from anyone in this town? I don't think so. And you know what? This is coming from someone who at one point was a Buckholtz guy. As big a Buckholtz guy as anybody ever was. Looking at his stuff, looking at his potential, but we keep saying potential and stuff, and nothing is coming with it. Uh, You can't spot them for runs, and then afterwards try to tell us about bad breaks. Please. You need to, instead of say bad breaks... Say bad pitches, okay? Because that's what it was last night. Not bad breaks, bad pitches, and that's why you let up four runs in the first two innings to a Tampa Bay team that you better than. So, nobody's scared to come into Fenway. Nobody's scared to get up against any of these Red Sox pitches. No, no, there's nobody. Nobody's scared to face this Red Sox team. And no pitcher on the other end, it seems, is coming in scared to face this Red Sox lineup. They're not. And that, without without Hanley now, it's it's even less scary. 
So, um, that's that's what we got going on with this Red Sox team. It's just it's tough to watch. Uh, I'm I I'm to the point where I can't I can't watch it anymore. You know, every game, two runs in the first inning, four runs in the second inning. Red Sox fall behind five nothing, and the offense can't hit, so the game's over. Change the channel. Last place, Boston Red Sox on May 5th. How are you going to fix it? How are you going to fix it? I'm not saying you go out and you, and, and you get the best pitcher in baseball this afternoon in a trade. I'm saying you make a move maybe to send a message to the clubhouse, right? If you traded Clay Buckholtz today, is that, you know, and you could package him with a couple of prospects and convince a team that Buckholtz just needs to change the scenery uh, to a smaller market club? Are you are people going to be you know, uh, you know boycotting Fenway? I I highly doubt it. That's not going to happen. Is your team going to get any worse if you trade Clay Buckholtz today? No. How could it? What? Because you you know you're not going to send a guy out there to spot the the other team four runs in the first two innings. Oh, it's brutal. It's terrible. I I can't tell you the last. Time I felt like this. I can't. And and I think it's because I'm a pitching guy, right? I'm somebody that believes dominant pitching is the only way you win championships in this league. I, I've said with this rotation that they put together that it's not the rotation that I wanted to see. It's not the strategy I wanted to see. But given the fact that you did add some offensive pieces in the offseason, I thought that the rotation could be, it wouldn't be great. And they would let up some runs. Uh, it wouldn't be my strategy, but since it's the strategy they're going to take, let's evaluate it. When I evaluate it, I say, well, okay, given the offense that I think they can have, I think the rotation can be good enough to at least put this offense in position to help them win, where they could win some games, and by the time you get to the trade deadline, you, you give your GM a reason to then go out and trade for that dominant starting pitcher to throw at the front of the rotation and say to yourself, hey, we're going to make a run at it. Right? I never told you the Red Sox are going to win a championship with this strategy, but I did tell you they'd be much better than 12 and 14 through the first 26 games. Right? Uh, you, in the past, when they've struggled, the Red Sox, They've had pitching, you know. They had they they had starting pitching, and starting pitching potential. I, we know what this rotation is. We we look at every single guy in this rotation. We know what we know what it is. You know, th- is there upside? Are we looking at any guy in this Red Sox rotation and saying, well, this guy could be someone? No, it, it, no. Joe Kelly should be with the with a ninety seven ninety eight mile per hour fastball. He's not. Uh, is that can he get it together? Maybe. If there's any guy that maybe you think could put it together based on the stuff that he has, it's Joe Kelly. Other than that, I think what we see from all these guys, we know what we're getting, and what we're getting is no good. So you need to cut your ties somewhere, in my opinion. And maybe if you can't go out and get that dominant starter, you know you can make that move eventually. But why not give a kid in the minors a shot? Right? I'm looking around the league. I'm seeing young pitchers come in, step in, move up uh, to their team, and succeed. And, you know, I, I get that it's a different place to do it in Boston, but you're going to Toronto after this series with Tampa. Right? You're going to Toronto. You got two more against Tampa. Toronto Friday, Toronto Saturday. How about one of these games in Toronto? Why why don't we let a kid from the minors come up and make a start up in Canada? What what would be the what would be the downfall of that? You say, well, what if the kid gets racked early on? Well, how would that be any different from what's going on now? If he gets racked early on, it means it you know, it's just the same old shit. It'd send him down, bring someone up, someone else up the next week, see if he can do it. That's, I mean, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be to this point, but that's where we are, right? And that's the risk that you were taking when you put this type of rotation together and said, we're going to win with offense. And when the offense can't hit and an offensive player gets hurt, what are we doing now? Well, you people, 
Where are all the Alan Craig fans? Is Alan Craig going to come save the day? Please. Please. Pitch and league. It's a pitch and league. And um, right now, your pitches aren't showing up. And I think it's more about showing up and not showing up and just mostly, it's more than showing up and not showing up. It's mostly about here's what they are. Here's what Clay Buckholtz is. And more often than not, he's going to spot the other team four runs in the first couple innings. That's it. It's what it is. Can you keep rolling him out there and doing that? No. You know, it's one thing if he had some nasty stuff and he was young in his career and you think he can turn. Clay Buckholtz, we're past that, right? We're past the point where Clay Buckholtz where we're saying, well, he's, you know, he's still learning in this league. Uh, well, he's got a 6.03 ERA. And he's been, uh, he's seen Major League action since 2007. All right, he's a big boy. He can handle himself out there. And uh, it's to the point where we've all seen enough. All right? We've all seen enough. I've seen enough. I've, I, I, can't, I can't take it anymore. I, I, the more these pitches hit the mound, the more I hate every one of these pitches on this Red Sox team. I mean, hate. Hate's a strong word. Hate is a strong word. But that's how I feel. So what's my resolution? Well, I don't have a resolution for you because the only resolution is if you bring a whole new pitching staff in here. But the what you can do is, I think, is at least give a kid from the minors a shot. And, and you know, if you want to ship Buckholtz out of town to create that spot, be my guest. Be my guest. And you say, who would take him? I do think you'd get somebody in a smaller market who would look at Buckholtz and say, change of scenery might do him good. And you know what? It might. It might. He might go somewhere, small market, you know, with him being a head case, no pressure on him, and he might thrive. He might, but you can't, you can't keep giving him chances here, can you? I mean, last season was the season for him, wasn't it? Right? I mean, wasn't last season the season in which you look at Buck Colts and say, you're the big dog now. You traded Lester, you traded Lackey. What do you got for us? What do you got? 2014, 28 starts for Clay Buckholtz. You know what he did for you? 5.34 ERA and an 8-11 record. It's horrible. It's terrible. What have you seen from this year that makes you think he's going to turn that around? Haven't seen much. You know, every, a lot of people have knocked him. Um, and he's responded to it. He, he hears it. But he responds, he, he can't respond by talking to the media. Buckholtz needs to respond by going out and proving people wrong. But he just can't do it here. I think we're to the point where he just, whatever he's going to do, if he is going to succeed, it is not going to happen with the Boston Red Sox. It's not. It's just too much for, it's just to me, it's too much for him. It's right now, it's too much for him to overcome. And I think you got to cut your ties. You got, and I think you could find a team that takes him on. And you know what? Trade him just to get the spot open. Just to open up the spot and the rotation. Bring up a young kid. Who are you going to bring up? People say, don't, oh, Eduardo Rodriguez, don't bring him up. He's too young. Why is he too young? What's good? Why is he too young? Did someone tell me why he's too young? You look around the league, you get young pitches in the league thriving. And I know it's a different place here. But what do you got to lose? What do you got to lose, honestly? Give someone a shot. Who is it? Henry Owens? Who is it? You name it. Matt Bonds, you think he's a reliever? Well, maybe he could be a starter. Who is it? Give him a shot. Uh, uh, who's the kid? Brian Johnson, lefty. I don't know. Maybe give him a shot. Give someone a shot. It'd be better than what we saw last night and every night before that. <sighs> Tough. Tough to watch. Tonight, Red Sox back at it. Rick Porcello, Drew Smiley. Smiley the lefty. Uh, Smiley took a no decision last week. Held the Yankees to two runs on four hits and in six innings. Yankees got two solo home runs. Smiley is 2-0 with a 2.82 ERA and five career appearances against the Red Sox. But, I'm th- I mean, you know, let's not, make, let's not make Drew Smiley out to be, um, 
you know, an electrifying major league pitcher here that should be coming into Fenway and shutting him down like everybody else has. I mean, please, at some point, too, we got to look at the offense. Offense struggling, pitching struggling. Porcello on the mound tonight. The one thing you could say about Porcello is last week uh, he had a very good outing in seven innings of work. And he give you that again? Well, he's going to need to. He's going to need to because I, I, I don't know what else he can do if you're the Red Sox. Uh, you know, this is the rotation you set. Porcello was good last time out. This time, you know, it's the, the one thing we've seen is that this is all inconsistent. Guy has a good start. Next time he gets yanked in the third inning. That needs to stop. And Porcello needs to do his best tonight and make sure that that, that doesn't happen again. But, you know, more importantly, even without Hanley, the Red Sox offense, you know, against Drew Smiley, you got to think that, um, this is an opportunity for them, even though you see his career numbers against the Red Sox are pretty good, ERA under three. I look at Drew Smiley, 3.38 ERA this season. Uh, we've seen him. He was in Detroit in the past, but, you know, a total last year with Tampa Bay uh, and Detroit in 25 starts, 3.24 ERA. 2013, he was in the bullpen. His rookie season, 2012, he made 18 starts with an ERA of four. It's not like this isn't, you know, this isn't Madison Bumgarner or Clayton Kershaw coming to town. This is Drew Smiley. Figure it out, okay? Get to Drew Smiley early. But if you're Rick Porcello, you got to prevent the early run, something that Clay Buckholz could not do last night. So there's, there's my take on the Red Sox right now. It's frustrating to watch, uh, but you know what? Hey. I guess we'll keep watching because there is a long season to go. But I've never felt like this. I can't tell you the last time I felt like this this early in a season. I can't. Can't tell you the last time I felt like this. Where I'm to the point where I'm ready for a couple young kids to come up from the minors and give them a shot. I am. I'm ready for it. I mean, what, what's, what's the worst? And, I mean, and I'm talking about moving Buckholz too. Get them out of here. What, what's the point? What's the point? I think we know. I think we what we see is what you're going to get. That's it. All right. Also last night, NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs. I told you I watched the Capitals. I told you I watched the Rangers. Uh, tough goal going off uh, my buddy Keith Yandel's skate and into the net. Tough goal. Uh, nothing you can do if you're the Rangers. Nothing you can do if you're Yandel. Nothing you can do if you're Lundqvist. Caps win at one nothing. Heck of a game. The Rangers had some big chances, golden opportunities late. You got to credit Holpe. Uh, he's making some big stops. Uh, he's the reason, on top of that, and Ovechkin, why I said I think the Caps are going to win the Cup. I hope they don't. I'm rooting for the Rangers, but you know they take a two. You know they take a series lead right now in this one. Two one series lead. Game four will be back in D. Still in D.C. On Wednesday night, tomorrow night, you got two games tonight. You got the Blackhawks and the Wild. Blackhawks lead that series two games to none. Uh, then you got the Ducks against Calgary. Ducks lead that series two games to none. I expect two sweeps here. I expect Chicago to sweep Minnesota. I expect Anaheim to sweep Calgary. I feel more confident in a Ducks sweep than I do a Blackhawks sweep, but I feel like those will both be sweeps. Then you got the NBA and the NBA playoffs. And the way I look at the NBA playoffs is I I, I just wish that – now, this, I, I don't know if any other sport does this. Holds a ceremony for an MVP, for the regular season MVP, during the playoffs, Right? If I'm Steph Curry, I win the MVP, great accomplishment, but I don't really want to have a ceremony for that. And I, I, I wonder how much say he has. It doesn't seem like he has much because this seems like a pretty big event. And you watched it last year, you know, Durant, and he gets that, that comment where everybody uses the picture on Twitter where he says, you know, you the real MVP. He's talking to his mom, right? Uh, he's crying. You know, it's special and all. But, you know, the regular season MVP, at some point, 
when this season's over, they should be proud of that, and they should be happy with that. But right now, you know, if I'm Steph Curry, I'm saying to myself, I don't, I don't want a ceremony tonight. It's a regular season award. I'm trying to beat the Memphis Grizzlies in a, in a second-round playoff series, and I'm trying to win an NBA championship. So the whole MVP, regular season MVP ceremony during the playoffs for a guy who's in the playoffs is a little over the top to me, and I roll my eyes at it. Uh, it's somewhat foolish. Steph Curry and the Warriors will be back in action tonight against Memphis. The storyline here, will Mike Conley, the, the point guard for the Grizzlies, will he be playing? He thinks he could play. The Grizzlies aren't so sure. He's got, what, facial fractures? Conley thinks he could play. If he does, I got I to gotta pick for you. The Grizzlies are 11-point underdogs in Golden State for Game 2. They trail the series one game to none. I have a feeling Conley's going to try to play this one tonight. And I think just him trying to get back in could pump the boys up. Memphis, is, I think, is going to lose this game in Golden State, but I think they cover. 11 points, that's a big spread. For a Grizzlies team that's known for their defense. Um, I'm going to take Memphis plus 11. I don't think they'll win the game, but I think they cover. Memphis plus 11. The other game is Washington in Atlanta for game two of that series, and the Wizards won game one. They stole game one with a huge fourth-quarter comeback. Huge fourth-quarter comeback. And uh, I I think in this one tonight, this could be one Atlanta. Atlanta might take one. I mean, Atlanta's the one seed. we got to give them credit. I don't think Washington's going to sweep them. I could see them splitting in Washington. I could see them, uh, you know, I could see, excuse me, in Atlanta. I could see them splitting in Washington. I could see this 2-2 going back to Atlanta for Game 5. But tonight in Atlanta, I could see Atlanta taking one of their home games. I think Atlanta wins tonight, series even at 1. I think Washington wins the series. But Atlanta, I think, evens it up tonight. They split at home in Atlanta. And then I think they'll split in Washington in Games 3 and 4. Right? I do. So that's how we see that playing out. But last night, the Bulls lose to the – excuse me, the Bulls beat the Cavaliers – the Cavaliers lose to the Bulls in Game 1. Bulls win 99-92. No Kevin Love for the Cavs. No J.R. Smith. Uh, the Cavaliers at times play some brutal defense. Derrick Rose banged up his shoulder in this one. Keep an eye on it. We know Derrick Rose with the uh, injury history. But I, I, I think that Cleveland will take Game 2. I do. I still look at LeBron missed some big shots, especially he missed some shots late. Maybe being a little bit too concerned about contact and creating contact and and trying to draw the foul rather than hitting a shot. Uh, Kyrie Irving still at times seems unstoppable, but even he missed a couple big shots late. They're going to hit those at some point in this series, and when they do, I think the Cavaliers will win. Um... I think Cavs will take game two, and you might feel differently about this series. I still think Cleveland's going to win the series, even without Kevin Love. I do. I think Cleveland's going to win the series. I hope they don't, but I, I do think they will. And also, you got the Clippers without Chris Paul last night going into Houston and beating the Rockets 117-101. to Another triple-double for Blake Griffin. And... He now is the fourth player in NBA history with back-to-back 20-point triple-doubles in the postseason. Again, no Chris Paul. You take a one nothing lead. You got game two tomorrow night, Wednesday night in Houston. Paul with the hamstring injury. I say you give him game two off now. If you lose game one and he thinks he can play through it, then I think you get him in there. But I think you win game one without him. I'm not saying you're going to win game two without him, but... I don't know that you're necessarily rushing him back now that you win game one. It's a long series. Uh, If it means you can get him completely healthy the rest of the way, if he gets game two off, so be it. Then make that happen. I think you now, with the win in game one, I think you sit Chris Paul in game two. I do. Uh, But that will be on Wednesday night. So two games tonight, but I'm telling you, take the Grizzlies plus 11. They won't win, but take the points at plus 11. What do we got in the NFL? I'm waiting for Deflategate. Is today the day? Is today the day that we see Deflategate? The, the, the Ted Wells report? It could be. It could be the day. Slow news day in the NFL. The Patriots released cornerback Alfonso Dennett. My reaction to this is, 
what took them so long? I thought they'd be doing this last year, um, or maybe even earlier than that, when he had um, uh, some off-the-field issues. So they released Dennett. I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. I, in fact, I'm surprised it took him this long to do that. Uh, you can vote for Rob Gronkowski to be on the Madden cover. Is that something you should want? Do you believe in the Madden curse? Here's the four guys that are finalists for the Madden 16 cover. Odell Beckham Jr. of the Giants, wide receiver for the Giants. Antonio Brown, wide receiver for the Steelers. Patrick Peterson, cornerback for the Cardinals. And Rob Gronkowski, tight end for the Patriots. Fans can vote up until May 13th, and the winner will appear on SportsCenter on on May 13th, on that day. I can tell you this. The win is going to be Gronk. I mean, you look at this list. I, if it's any, I get, here's the finalist. The finalist will be Gronk and Odell Beckham Jr. You know, the kids like Odell Beckham Jr. because he makes these fantastic one-handed catches. But, um, I think, I still think Gronk is going to pull it out. I think Gronk's going to be on the cover. It'll make him the first New England Patriot to be on the cover of Madden. Somebody asked me this yesterday. What about Brady? Why can't Brady be on the cover? Uh, I think you need to make yourself available for it. I'm not sure Brady's making himself available. Also, I do think the Madden curse, you know, the, the, the younger players are usually on this. The kids who, the guys who play video games, uh, you know, I, Tom Brady isn't someone that plays video games, or at least he doesn't strike me as one. But, you know, I could see Gronk on making this cover. I can see Gronk getting the votes. Either Gronk or Odell Beckham Jr. But I'll put my money on Gronk to be on the cover of Madden. Right? That's what I'm going to go with. So you got until what? May 11th to pick finalists and then May 13th. That's when you vote on the actual winner. So that's the NF- That's what's going on in the world of the NFL. Again, Deflategate. Hey, it, by the time you listen to this, you could be hearing something on Deflategate. They're going to pick a slow news day in the NFL. Is this it? Maybe. Either today or tomorrow. That's what my money's on. That's what my money's on. Uh, one final thing uh, to close out the show with is last night I, w- I told you I was flipping back and forth between the Red Sox, between the Stanley Cup playoff game, Rangers Capitals, between the Chicago Bulls, Cleveland Cavaliers, and also Monday Night Raw. Interesting thing happened last night. And, and, you know, not a good thing, but interesting is, you know, you always, I always watch wrestling. I watch Raw and you see guys get, you always wonder, well, guys, did they ever get hurt? And how do they play that out? Last night on Raw, and, and, and I think this was real. I, I, at least they, they got me. If it's not real, then, hey, they got me. I, I got, if it's not real, then I'm a fool and I got caught. But maybe you applaud them for the great acting job. But I'm pretty sure this was real. Uh, a up and comer from NXT got a shot at the U.S. Championship. Uh, John Cena has this U.S. Open. Everybody comes out. S- Sammy Zayn, I I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. Sammy Zayn. Uh, either way, young up and coming kid, exciting wrestler. Um, he's from Montreal. It was at the Bell Center last night. Raw. He gets a shot versus Cena. It's a huge moment for him, as you can tell. The fans are going nuts in the opening minutes of this. He hurt his shoulder. He got slammed down and hurt his shoulder. I really think he hurt his shoulder. I think he, you know, he dislocated it or he separated. It looked like a separation to me. Separated shoulder. He was hurting. And the ref comes over and he says he's hurt. And he gives the arms up at the camera. You know, the X. That's what we've always heard the sign was. He gives the X. Puts his two arms over his head in an X shape. And... That's when a real trainer comes out and checks him out. And he goes over and, you know, you can tell John Cena was doing some moves. He starts punching him in the head to sort of kill time and give him some extra time to, to see if the shoulder can feel a little bit better in a couple minutes. Because you got to continue, you know, the show must go on. But how do you go on when you got a separated shoulder? I think that was real. He finished the match. Turns out to be a tough kid, but it was an interesting thing to watch because you see, I always say to myself, wow, these guys, do they ever get hurt? And if they do, like, how do you, you know, how do you know the real injury from the fake injury? I think what you saw last night on Raw was a real injury happen, and you saw them, you know, you saw them play that out on the fly, right? You saw the ref react. 
You saw the opponent react in John Cena. I think they did a good job with it. And if he really did get hurt to the extent it looked like with that shoulder, this young kid, Sami Zayn, you got to credit him for battling through it. And I even think John Cena, his reaction in the ring was, wow, you you really want to keep going? All right. Hey, kid kept going. You know what they say. Sometimes you only get one shot. Uh, I hope the WWE remembers that moving forward. Obviously, they give him a big moment, big shot, but uh, you got to do more than that to stick around. I hope they remember it. If, if he really was battling injured, you know, which it looked like, I hope that's something WWE remembers because uh, that seemed like a tough injury uh, to play through, especially we're at a time right now where you got, I just mentioned NBA, someone like Kevin Love, you know, isn't playing through a shoulder injury, decided to have shoulder surgery. And I know you roll your eyes and say, well, how can you compare WWE to the NBA? Well, let's be serious. I mean, as much as uh, it, WWE is predetermined, guys, guys take hits, bumps and bruises. You're getting thrown around out there. And if you got a separated shoulder, you can't be getting smashed down on your back and on, on your shoulder for an, another half hour. But that's exactly what happened. But it, it, was, it was an interesting moment to watch. And uh, here's what I hope. I hope that the WWE sees that, realizes he played through the pain, so to speak, and what at least to me looked like a serious injury, and I hope they, uh, you know, reward him for that at some point. So wrapping up the show on this Cinco de Mayo edition, uh, keep an eye on a couple things tonight. The Flategate report, if that comes out, the Hanley Ramirez injury, uh, but also, I think a couple NHL games that are going to go Chicago and Anaheim's way, and then in the NBA, you get two games tonight, uh, Memphis at Golden State, take Memphis plus 11, and then the Wizards at Atlanta, I expect Atlanta to win this, I would stay away from that spread though, I would, it's a, the Wizards are a six-point dog, um, let's give Atlanta some credit for being a one seed in their own building, they're going to win one in the first two, I think. Uh, they, that, they're going to win. They're going to win a game tonight. I just don't know if it's they – could, they could beat them by eight. They could beat them by two. I would stay away from that. Stick with the Grizzlies plus 11. I am here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, follow me on Twitter, like me on Facebook, all forms – of social media and if you don't have an iPhone you can get the show on the Stitcher app you can get the show on you know on really anything that that has a podcast right down people call, talk about downcast I talk about TuneIn you can also listen on the TuneIn app go to TuneIn.com to get the Danny Picard show uh, really all different ways to do it and all those links are on my website DannyPicard.com here five days a week I am out talk to you tomorrow